won it. Ryder, important. Ricochets back. Phil Thorpe over his head, hoping for some magic. He's produced it. The Crows have produced a miracle. Now can they hang on? As per usual, I'm Daz and he's Smithy. How are you, mate? I'm going very well. And it's actually been a better weekend of footy than I would have thought uh, going back to Saturday. But the Sunday games were amazing. And obviously the spectacle today that was the uh, fight M&D, the the free seven going down the slide. And then the Collingwood Melbourne game was a bit of a highlight. So a couple of good days in footy. So I'm up and about. How are you? Yeah, mate, go on. Well, a bit the same as you, actually. Woke up on Sunday, and uh, even though the Hawks had an awesome victory, the uh, quality of footy was, well, she was a bit poxy early on. But we got a draw, we got a cracking finish, uh, and we got a great um, big free seven game. Melbourne and Collingwood putting on a good show. The Pies got over the line. Um, but what we're going to talk about today, mate, we are going to go through each team one by one. We're going to go back and forth. Uh, and offer up a a question in the form of a prediction. And the other one is going to buy, hold, or sell, depending on their confidence in the prediction coming true. So if we're buying, we think it's going to happen, of course. If we're selling, not going to happen. If we hold, we're a bit on the fence. Uh, We are going to try and do as little holds as possible. We don't want this to be, obviously, 18 holds each. That would be quite boring. So we are starting on a scale of buy to sell. And if we really are on the fence, we're going to go with hold. But we're not going to do... Too many in a row. I'm going to go first, mate. I'm going to throw my Adelaide one at you. So are we ready to go? I'm ready. Beautiful. Let's go to the Crows. Smithy, are you buying, holding, or selling Matt Crouch being a Crow in 2022? I'm selling. I think he's out of there, to be honest. Um, Obviously, hasn't been able to get on the park this year. But I feel like that midfield's going in a new direction now. Uh, his brother's back in Victoria. They've got some good young midfielders in Adelaide and they've got Rory Sloan to play that mentoring role. So I think Matt Crouch, unfortunately, I don't think the Crows will get as much room as they could have 12 months ago, considering all the injuries he's dealt with uh, this season. But I can see him relocating for the 2022 AFL season. And I think if he can go to a contending side and just play that, accumulate a role, get in and under, get a lot of the footy. I think he can be very valuable to a team who's looking to take that next step and really contend for a flag. I'd be interested on your thoughts, my friend. Mate, I'm in exactly the same boat. I'm selling as well. And I think Matt Crouch to Richmond has a really nice ring to it if they can't get Adam Chera. Um, If they will decide, if they don't get Chera, uh, the Tom Mitchell trade reports came out. So um, I honestly think Richmond should take Crouch over Mitchell. I know Mitchell's fit, but Matt Crouch is two years younger uh, and arguably, uh, arguably would play a similar role. And the fact that all they need to do is uh, get to the ball and dish it out. Imagine Matt Crouch dishing it out to Shea Bolton and uh, Dustin Martin and all these guys. It would be frightening. All right, mate, you are going to hit me with your Brisbane question. Let's go. Yeah, so for Brisbane, are you buying, holding, or selling the idea that Jared Lyons is the best midfielder at Brisbane? Now, I know he's your man, but is he the best midfielder on the Brisbane Lions list? Mm, what can you want to brand low? I'm going to hold, and I feel like it's a very biased hold. So. He's been their best midfielder this year. No one can deny that. And he's still in the top three for the Brownlow for mine. uh, If the umpires are paying attention. Yeah. Lockie Neal won a Brownlow. So it is last year and it is really difficult to say, but I feel like if Jared can play this sort of footy next year, I think he can go part. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll sell it. He's not, but I feel like by the end of 2022, he could be so as of right now, no, I'm I'm selling Jared Lyons being the best midfielder, but he's still my favourite, so I'll accept that. What about you, mate? Yeah, I thought that might have uh, stumped you a little bit because I know the love you have for Jared Lyons, so I was interested to see where he'd go. I'm also selling. He's not the best midfielder, but he's definitely had the best season due to Lockie Neal being there. That's without a question. Um, so... I'm still going to sell Lockie Neal is still the better footballer in my opinion, but um, yeah, interesting little question there. I've 
I can see the I can see the pain in your face as you are answering that. So I feel like this is going to be a good episode. Yeah, my love for Jared has not extinguished. All right, mate. I'm moving on. We're at Carlton now. An abundance of questions that um, we could ask. Uh, I'm not going to go for one of the easy ones. So are you buying, holding, or selling Patrick Cripps being a top three player at Carlton? That's a great question. And I'm going to, I'm going to sell. Oh, okay. Please give us your top three then. Top three in order would be Sam Walsh, number one. Jacob Wiedering, number two. Harry Mackay, number three. I think uh, this year, Sam Walsh has gone past Patrick Cripps in terms of the midfield position. Jacob Wiedering is their reigning best and fairest winner. And it's, you know, it, the argument could be made that he's having a better season this year. Um, he's definitely up there in all Australian. And Harry McKay is leading the Coleman medal. So, you know, they've got three really, really big guns there. But the thing that's letting Carlton down is their B and C graders not being able to um, perform and not being able to contribute on a regular basis. But Patrick Cripps is still very important to that Carlton side. But the battering that's been that's been dealt to him and everything he's had to endure with his body over the last few years, carrying that Carlton side... I think it's catching up on him. I think it's quite obvious to see that he's not moving as well. He can still accumulate the ball, but it's Sam Walsh's midfield now. And um, yeah, as much as Patrick Cripps is a great leader and is important to the footy club, I wouldn't have him as a top three player on that list at the moment. What about you? Yeah. And at 26, 27, I think, I think he's still 26, turning 27 this year. That's kind of frightening knowing how good he has been. The fact that, He's not a top three player. Um, yeah, I'm with you, mate. I'm selling. I would have McKay above Weedering. I think you need to score more than – I think scoring is more important than defending. Um, no disrespect to Jacob Weedering, who is an absolute star. But, yeah, those three players for mine um, have gone ahead of Cripps. And I'm not saying he would be easy to, but I think out of Walsh, McKay, Weedering, and Cripps, if you said to Carlton fans, one of them had to go at the end of the year, I feel like a lot of them um, would say Cripper and structurally he's probably the one that falls out out of that quartet. So interesting to see what Carlton do at the end of the year, mate. Uh, the floor is yours with the pies. Yeah. For the pies, uh, I wanted to go down the coaching route. So Daz, mm -hmm. are you buying, holding or selling the idea of Robert Harvey keeping the coaching job? after his caretaking position ends in the 2021 season going into 2022. That is a hard sell for me, Smithy. Um, the only sort of, well, the everyone wants to talk about Paul Ruse being the success story of the interim coach. And um, we had the three a couple of years ago, but Brett Ratton at St. Kilda is not looking as fantastic as it did last year. Reece Shaw is obviously not at North Melbourne anymore. And David Teague is the coach that we're, um, uh, is a sorry is a coach that's under the pump. So I'm I think that Robert Harvey's probably auditioning for a role down the road. I don't think it'll still be at Collingwood. Um, Collingwood for mine, I think are going to go after a big name because it's Collingwood. But I think they need to look at Adam Uze, Daniel G in Syracuse, and Adam Kingsley as the best sort of assistant coaches and the media can run with their Ross Lyon or Alistair Clarkson types. Um, I don't think Sam Mitchell gets a senior job this year. So that's just my go, mate. How do you feel about Robert Harvey's chances of coaching Collingwood in 2022? I'm not as pessimistic as you about the idea. Uh, I'm still going to sell, but I think especially the way they played today, I know there was a lot of, extra motivation to win that game today, but they looked very good against the best team in footy. So if Robert Harvey can come in and if they can win, you know, five or six games in the back half of this year and, you know, look like they're on the way back up, it's not the craziest thing in the world to think that he could be keeping that job. Um, he's obviously got a great footy mind. They obviously love him around the club so I don't think it's the most out there idea, but 
I agree with your statement that they're going to go after a big name because it's Collingwood and that's just what they do. So they will be going for the biggest fish they can get. But if they can't land one, then the job might fall into Robert Harvey's lap. We just never know, but I will sell as well. Yeah, beautiful, mate. All right, we move on to the Bombers and I'm going to bring up a man that I'm pretty sure 99% of footy fans have completely forgotten about. So, Smithy, are you buying, holding, or selling Essendon shopping around Dylan Shield at the end of the year? I'm buying. Yeah. I think their midfield dynamic since he has been out has been so effective with Darcy Parrish going in. I think if they can re-sign Zach Merritt and keep him around, then Dylan Shield is out the door. Because the midfield of Andrew McGrath, Darcy Parrish, and Zach Merritt has been fantastic. They've also got Jai Caldwell, who they wanted to bring into the club, who was looking pretty good before he suffered a significant injury earlier in the year. They've got youngsters like Archie Perkins who are coming through the ranks. So if they can get some good value for Dylan Scheel, I think they will definitely be shopping him around at the end of the year. AFL off-seasons are getting crazier by the year. So I can see Dylan Schill being moved on to his third club. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yep, absolutely. They're going to shop him around. And we know Port Adelaide are interested in Zach Merritt. So if Dylan Shield's on the market, look out for Port as well. And yeah, I think if Essendon can get even a second round pick for him, I think they'd be crazy not to. They're going down a youth uh, first policy. So guys like Shield and Jake Stringer are going to be um, sort of in trouble. And like you said, I know you're a big Archie Perkins fan, but these young guys coming through are going to be more important for Essendon's development than, you know, a probably a B-plus midfielder whose ball use is stopping him from getting to an A-grade level. So, yeah, I think Dylan Shield to Port Adelaide makes a, a hell of a lot of sense. So that's where I'm at, mate. Beautiful. We move on to Fremantle. So, Daz, yes, are, you buying, hold, are you buying, holding or selling Fremantle's young midfield core as the best in the AFL, specifically Chera, Brayshaw, and Sarong. Uh, as we sit here now, I I will buy, but if Chera goes, and the, all the reports are saying that he is, and it's down to, well, if you listen to the media, it's it's Richmond, uh, Essendon, or Carlton. So if Chera goes, that obviously breaks up. Um, that young midfield core. Sean Darcy is reportedly um, wanting to move back to Victoria with Geelong in the box seat. So you take out, you know, the probably the most, one of the most improved players in the league in Darcy and someone like Chero, you're going to break up that young core. But mate, as it sits right now, that young core is the best in the league for mine. And adding in Nat Fife and David Mundy is just the cherry on top of a, an exquisite young cake. So yeah, I will buy some. What about you, mate? Yeah, I'm going to buy two. Um, I think in terms of pure youth, those three for their age are performing at such a high level that it's very exciting for Frio fans. I also looked at Gold Coast. Took Miller is still fairly young, even though it seems like he's been around forever. Yeah, he's only 25. It's That's crazy to think about. And that's still relatively young in terms of a midfielder. They've also got, obviously, Raul and Anderson. So I considered Gold Coast, but I think at this stage, Frio with with those three, if they can keep Chera around, which, as you said, is probably uh, less likely at this stage. But yeah, those three together, I think are the best young trio of midfielders in the competition as we stand today. So I will also buy some. Love it, mate. We're going to move on to the Cats. Um, are you buying, holding or selling the idea that Geelong lose all three of these players in the off-season. So we're going to group them together uh, in your buy, hold, or sell. Those three players are your man, Jordan Clark, Charlie Constable, and Quinton Narkel. So are you buying, holding, or selling those three players being at Geelong next year? I'm holding. Uh, the fact that you've grouped them into um, a package deal is the only reason I will hold because... I believe Jordan Clark will be playing in WA next year. I think Quinton Narkle will find a new home next year, but I, I just have a feeling they're going to keep Charlie Constable around. Um, 
I just think that with their age demographic, they need to keep some youth around. And I feel like they're going to prioritize Constable because they've given Jordan Clark, you know, a fair few goes at it this year. He hasn't quite delivered uh, as to what he did in his rookie year. He will want to go back to WA, I think. Quinton Narkle, the man had two fantastic games in a row and was omitted. Yeah, it's 34 so, and got dropped. <laughs> so he he's done something to get himself out of favor at that footy club. He needs to find a place that will uh, that will bring him in and will give him the game time he deserves. Uh, there's a place in Waverley that might take you in, Quinton. I know I'm pretty keen on that. So, Hey, mate, you'd let him move in to your joint if it got him to Hawthorne. <laughs> Yes, I'm very keen on the idea of him coming to Hawthorne, but they have to keep some youth around. And I think Charlie Constable will be that man. So I'm going to hold. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think any of all three of them, I don't think any of them are going to be at the club next year. Now, Quinton Narkel and Charlie Constable supposedly tested the market last year with no takers. Now, especially with Narkel, I find that incredibly difficult to believe. This man has outside pace. Charlie Constable's been one of the most consistent VFL players for a while. We know that. That obviously doesn't translate to the AFL, but, you know, I can't think of a bad game Charlie Constable's played in the AFL. He's looked very comfortable at the level. I think he's averaging about 18 touches, um, but he doesn't get a lot of game time either. I think I was reading something the other day that his last three AFL games, he hasn't had 70% game time and he's still getting those numbers. So there are definitely clubs out there and they, those two players, especially I'll get to Jordan Clark very quickly in just a sec, but those two players aren't going to offer up a lot. You're not giving up a first round pick, maybe a second for Sparkle Narkle. Obviously the, the Hawks have got uh pick 21 and 22 as it stands. So, you know, if we gave one of those away for Narkle and maybe a third round pick back, I think that would be a, a huge win for the Hawks. I'm with you. Jordan Clark and Freeman will seem like a, a match made in heaven. Um, for me, Jordan Clark on a wing, Heath Chapman and Hayden Young on the halfback flanks. That is going to be genuinely exciting to watch, but yeah, I can't see, any of those three being at the club next year. The only one that I think is in danger is Narkel if Geelong offer him two years, but he's currently sort of their seventh midfielder. So I struggle to see how they're all there. So I'll go out and win and say they lose all three of them, mate. All right. Your turn, mate. And you have Gold Coast. Yeah. On to the sun. So does you buying, holding or selling Stuart Jew is the coach to take the Suns to their first final. Wow. He's um he's been re-signed through to 2023, I believe. Mm-hmm. So either before then or if he gets a contract extension, will Stuart Drew be the coach of Gold Coast's first finals team? That's a ripping question. Oh okay. Go with your head, not your heart, Daz. I'm gonna sell. I don't think he is. I don't, I don't think they're making, well, they're definitely not making the finals this year. Um, they're going to need something fantastic in the off season for me to believe they're going to play finals next year. Matt Rowell being fit isn't going to fix all their problems, no matter the fact that this kid is going to be a star. I struggle with, like, this young core's coming up together. 2023, possibly, but, um, yeah, if I'm gambling on the Suns making the finals in two years from now, I'm going to, um, I'm going to be on the side of no. So if they don't make finals in the next two years, I struggle to see how Gold Coast keep Stewie around. So if they have a new coach in the 2024, he's not going to be that guy. So with a, a heavy heart as a Hawthorne fan who loves Stewie Drew, I am selling Stewie Drew being the coach of their first final series. How about you? I'm going the opposite way. I'm buying. Oh boy. And it's not just because of Stewie Drew. Gold Coast have shown flashes that they can be very good. And I feel like I feel like the Gold Coast is turning into somewhat of a destination club in terms of the weather. I think the culture they're building up there is fantastic. The young core, you know, you got people re-signing there, whereas people would get drafted to Gold Coast and want out straight away. They'd be requesting trades home straight away. You know, you got people like King, Lacocious, Rankin, all re-signing long deals. I think they've got the 
they've got the spine there. They've got, you know, Sam Collins fullback. They've got Ben King up the other end. They've got Rao. You know, they've got a good mix now of experience and youth. I think if they can land a big fish in the offseason in terms of a free agent or a trade and draft well, I can see them making the finals in 2023. And I think that Gold Coast have found their man in Stewie Drew to take this group. I think, especially through the documentary, making their mark. I know it's not everything, but he just looked like he had that group. That group loved him. They wanted to play for him. And that's the main thing. Now, a lot of things can change from now until 2023. I understand that. But I'm going to look optimistically. Their age profile suits a finals contending team in 18 months' time. So I'm going to buy. I think Stewie Jew will be at the helm of their first finals appearance. Yeah, I like it, mate. All right, we move on to the Giants. Um, and that is me, mate. So are you buying, holding, or selling Stephen Cornelio being the GWS captain in 2022? This is another great question. And Cogs holds a dear place in my heart as one of my favorite players in the AFL right now. The impassioned campaign that you and I, well, especially you ran to get Cogs down to the Hawks uh, before he re-signed that. I think it was, what, seven-year deal, six-year deal or something was. Yeah, seven um, years. Yeah, it was long. There was a lot of sleepless nights for you, mate. So I knew this question would be heavy for you. So take it away. And with that heavy heart, I'm selling. I think they go in a different direction. Now, two years in the job isn't a long time, but with the way the Giants are positioned at the moment, they need a drastic change in leadership, and that is coach and captain. If Leon Cameron is the coach of GWS in 2022, I will tear my hair out (laughs) because this list, is way too good to be drawing with North Melbourne. Yep. Couldn't agree more. It's it's ridiculous. Um, you know, you look at you look at the the two selected sides on the weekend and just the names that were going up against each other, those teams should not have drawn. No. So there's something going wrong and yep. it has to be the coaching. Mm-hmm. Um Cornelio had a let's just say it was probably his worst year in the AFL last year. As captain, he struggled with form. He struggled with injuries. The captaincy just looked like it engulfed him. It it took over his entire entire game. And obviously, he's been injured this year. I think they go down the road of someone like Toby Green. Um, Toby Green is shown that he's fantastic at keeping out outside noise. The people in the GWS organization love Toby Green as much as people on the outside don't. So, yeah, I can see them going with someone like Toby. So, yeah, I think Cogs will will not be the captain of GWS in 2022. And what about you? Uh, I am going to buy and i'm gonna buy on the fact that this is coaching captains last year leon cameron set a contract at the end of next year so it would seem strange to me that in a covid time with the soft caps hit and all that that they would get rid of a coach who's still in contract but i think a lot of the news headlines next year are going to be leon cameron's on his last legs and all these things and um i don't think he'll make it so i think leon's done at the end of next year and i think if he goes i think the new person coming in is going to want to go down a different road, like you said. So I can definitely see Toby Green being the next captain. Um, But I'm predicting that it'll be 2023, not 2022. And there's something about Michael Voss for mine going to GWS and taking over that list that is really intriguing. And as a football fan, really excites me. So yeah, my, I think sort of this time next year, if we do this sort of format again, it'll be, I will be just slamming the buy button for Michael Voss going to GWS and Toby Green as captain. How exciting does that sound? Yeah, that's a match made in heaven, isn't it? Yeah, love it. All right, mate, you are up next and you have got our beloved Hawks. Our beloved Hawks. 
Are you buying, holding, or selling Tom Mitchell being a hawk next year? No, oh, buying. This is crap. This is big. Uh, was it Tom Morris? I think it was that broke this story. He's open to being traded. Okay, okay. Well, if he is big, Tommy, why? What? Just why? Would he come out and have 34 and seven tackles and have his best performance of the year? And if you're thinking he's doing that to up his price, so the Hawks get the best deal for him, get stuffed. This, oh, jeez. Yeah. Did Tom Mitchell leave Sydney to come to Hawthorne to win flags? Yes, he did. He was very open about that. Now, they've clearly missed their window. If Tom Mitchell isn't a Hawk next year, it wasn't decided at the buy. The Hawks will get to the end of the year. They'll assess their options and they'll go from there. It is frankly ridiculous that the club have spoken to Tom about not being a Hawk next year with 11 games to go to then lose all their leverage when they get to a potential trade because everyone will think he's on the block. Ridiculous. As we sit here today, I'm saying Tom Mitchell's a Hawk. He's a Hawk and Tom Morris get nicked. And if he's going to Richmond, They've got a good draft hole, so we'll get a good deal. But as we sit here now, ridiculous. Goodness me. What about you, mate? Now, that was the exact reaction that I was looking for. When I got my list of teams, listeners, I saw the Hawks and thought, yep, this will be a good way to get the big fella riled up. And I was so correct. I'm buying as well. He's going to be a Hawk next year. Um. In, I know it's uh, cliche and everyone will say the same, but in every interview I've ever seen of Tom Mitchell, he, he seems like he genuinely loves the Hawthorne Football Club. And unless he is removed from that club, I can't see him leaving. Titch is going to be a hawk. Let's move on before Daz's head explodes. <laughs> All right, let's do it, mate. All right, we move on to Melbourne and Smithy, are you buying, holding, or selling more than five demons in the All-Australian team at the end of the year? I'm going to hold because I think it's going to be exactly five. Okay, that's fair. So if the line's five, you're betting on a push. Yes. So if I was going to buy, it would be six or more. If I was going to sell, it would be four or less, but I'm saying there's going to be five. Mm -hmm. The five who I think are going to make it will be Stephen May, Max Gorn, Mm -hmm. Clayton Oliver, Christian Petraka. Yep. And I think Christian Salem can steal a bench spot. Yeah. I think select... I think selectors are going to overlook someone like Bailey Fritch. And we know why. We know the All-Australian selection. They're going to put a midfielder in the forward pocket. So Bailey Fritch and Cozzy Pickett will unfortunately miss out. I think Jake Lever will be close, but they're going to go for the flashy runners off halfback, such as a Christian Salem, who I think can sneak onto a bench. So, yeah, I'm putting the mark at five with May, Oliver, Gorn, Petraka, and Salem. Your thoughts, please, my friend. I was exactly the same. Five was my number as well, but I'm dropping Salem and putting in Jake Lever on the bench. So um, only because I think guys like Jaden Short, uh, Jake Lloyd will definitely be uh, up there just off the top of my head. And they'll find they'll find more. I know being a really good team, you'll, um, you'll get probably more players in that are favoured. I'm quite different to you. If I'm doing the All-Australian team, I don't have Christian Petrarca in my side. Controversial opinion there. But I think more midfielders have had better years. And I think his ball use goes a touch overrated. And maybe that's maybe some recency bites. Given the way he used the footy today on Queen's birthday wasn't all that special. But I think guys like Jackson McRae, I think Ollie Wines might take a Christian Petrarca spot hoping... And the All-Australian selectors have some sense and look outside of Victoria for a change because all the uh, mock All-Australian teams I'm seeing, they've got a lot of Victorian players in it, mate. And my man, Jared Lyons, your man, Ollie Wines, they've got real cases to put forward. So my number's five as well, mate. I am holding. You're up next with the Cellar Dwellers of North. Yeah, and for North, I'm going down the off-season path again because Daz loves the off-season. Oh, he studies the draft. Yeah. 
he studies the draft all season. He studies free agency all season. So with the recent hype, are you buying, holding, or selling the Josh Kelly to North Melbourne round two hype? Because this happened a few years ago. North were going to offer him the mother load offer. He knocked it back and re-signed. But rumors coming out now that North are going to offer him another massive deal. Are you buying, holding, or selling this hype? Josh Kelly to North Melbourne. Uh, am I am I choosing, am I like buying, holding, or selling North giving him the offer or Josh Kelly being a kangaroo? Because my answer is quite different. Josh Kelly being a kangaroo. I am... I am holding and I feel like I'm holding um, leaning towards a buy. I feel like Kelly's contract is really only going to be a GWS or a North situation. I think other clubs are looking at the salary cap dropping and looking at the provisions that were in that original two year and then six year. Um, That was the structure of Josh Kelly's contract. So I don't feel like other clubs are going to be throwing that sort of 900,000 million at Josh. And I think North will. So does Josh believe that he'll win a flag at the Giants? And if the answer is no, I think he'll go to North because every footballer has the right to set himself up post footy. And he'll probably do that uh, at either club that he chooses. Actually, the more I'm saying this, I'm probably leaning towards his staying at the Giants actually. No, but I buy the height. North are going to offer him it. Um, I'll hold on the fact that he'll become a kangaroo, but I feel like by the end of the year, we're going to know a whole lot more. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes. So I'm going to hold on Josh Kelly being a kangaroo and quite selfishly as a Hawthorne player, I hope he does because North probably don't draft a midfielder with their first pick. Although I'm not sure how that turned down Jason Horn, but if he ended up a Hawk, I would be ecstatic but i am holding josh kelly being a kangaroo one of those things where it wouldn't surprise me either way but north fans don't lose hope what about you mate yeah i'm going to sell i'm going to sell the fact he'll be a brew i'm buying the fact that they're going to throw another monster offer at him yeah but i just think if he deny if he declined all that money back a few off seasons to go to stay up in sydney i can't see him changing his mind now i think he obviously loves it up there in sydney and unless the gws salary cap squeezes him out and he is somewhat of like an adam trelaw situation where he's the sacrificial lamb to get some money off the books i can't see josh kelly volunteering volunteering himself out of sydney to north melbourne so i'll sell he really would have thought after because that two-year deal was after uh, 2019, of course. So they've just come off, yes, an embarrassing grand final loss, but are one of the best teams in the caper. He did put the two-year deal in to um, test where the Giants were at and where they're at since that year. You can't deny it, mate. They've gone backwards. So it's going to be one of the more intriguing um, hold this space. But we're going to move on, mate. I've got Port. Now, I really wanted to throw a Zach Butters question at you, which is incredibly biased of me because he's one of my favorites. However... Smithy, are you buying, holding, or selling Port's premiership aspirations? I want to sell all of their premiership aspirations. Oh, this is now, a bit of Port a Titanic and Smithy can see them hitting the iceberg about it. Well, let's be honest. Let's. Every, every top eight team they have come up against this year, how have they gone? Yeah, yeah not the best. They've lost to every one of them. Let's just put it bluntly. Yeah. So I cannot, and I repeat, cannot put my stocks into a team winning a grand final when they have not been able to beat a team in the top eight yet. I think at the moment, they're flat track bullies. They look good. They couldn't even do that on the weekend because they lost at home. Yeah, well... But flat track bullies in terms of they smash the teams that they should beat and look fantastic against teams that they should beat. Um, They've dismantled some bad teams this year and it's made people go, oh, look at Port. You know, they're putting on a clinic there at home and they're smashing, you know, St. Kilda by 10 goals and how good are they? But 
as soon as they come up against a real contender who they will be facing in a final, no matter how good they play, they just can't get over that hump of beating that team. Um, I think their best chance to win a grand final was last year, to be honest. They had everything in their favor. They had the home prelim against Richmond in wet conditions. And then they would have gone up to Brisbane to face Geelong, who Geelong were good in that first half of that grand final. But I don't know. I think there was something about Port last year. I think that was their chance. I have four or five teams rated higher than I do Port Adelaide this year. So it's a hard sell for me. Are you in the same boat? No, mate. I'm holding. And just back to your point, Port beat Geelong in the um, qualifying final of last year, so it would have held no, uh, no like scars or no fear or anything like that. I'm holding, mate. Um, their weakness at the moment coming against the better sides is their midfield. As much of a good year that Ollie Wines and Travis Boak are playing, so yeah, Zach Butters will add a lot to that. Xavier Dersma's got to come back as well, and they've got a couple of others. So. I'm not completely jumping off, but I agree with you. They're the fifth best team in it for mine or sixth, which as we sit here now, doesn't scream, can win a flag, but I'm not jumping off them just yet. They're a good side. They're going to get it together. I think they've got a pretty good draw coming home, so they're going to get a good spot. And I'm not going to discount them once they get their best 23. So I am a hold for now. But if, yeah, I think another two, three weeks of the performances like they did on Friday, and going down, I think I'll be jumping off as well. So I may hold leaning towards a sell. No worries. And we move on to Richmond. And that is Daz. your neck of the woods, mate. Please take it away. It is. Daz, are you buying, holding, or selling the idea that this is Richmond's last year of serious contention circa Hawthorne 2016, where they were coming off the three-peat? They scraped into top four, but they got bounced in straight sets in the finals and then haven't won a final since. So are you buying, holding or selling a similar fall for Richmond that Hawthorne had after their success? Uh, Ripping question. I am going to sell. I think Richmond's depth is better than what Hawthorne's was at the, during 2016, um, Nan Curvis has gone down. Marby Orchol and Callum Coleman-Jones have been doing a great job without, obviously, uh, Nank and Tom Lynch. Like we mentioned, I do worry about a bit of defensive depth. I think Dylan Grimes and Noah Bolter are more important than perhaps some of their midfielders, but they've got guys that aren't getting games that are that look good young kids. Jack Ross is the one that comes to mind. So if any clubs out there, perhaps like a, a Hawthorne, maybe an in and under midfielder isn't what the Hawks need, but... If there are clubs out there that are wanting good, young, um, AFL-bodied midfielders, I think Jack Ross is one to look at. So I think they've got good depth. Marby Orchol's apparently being courted by some clubs, so they might lose him. But uh, young Samson Ryan as a Ruckman's coming along as well. I feel a lot better about Richmond seconds or their depth players more than I do Hawthorne in 2016. So if, if they do fall, I don't think it'll be a like a bottom of the barrel, like we're seeing with Hawthorne now. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to sell that there'll be a fall, but I do think that they can contend next year as well. What about you, mate? Yeah, I'm going to hold. My own question was too good for me to give a real answer, to be honest. Um, (laughs) I think. Hello, arrogance, my old friend. (laughs) I think the fact that it's their last year of serious contention is a buy for me. Um, But the sell comes from, I don't think they're going to bottom out like Hawthorne have, as you said. Um, They've still got some fantastic young players. And when there's reports coming out that they're one of the favorites to land Adam Chera, like the rich get richer, really. So uh, that's put me right in the middle with a hold. I don't think they are being spoken about enough for the flag this year, to be honest. And that's a scary thing because they're only just inside the eight, but it comes back to that thing similar to Hawthorne and similar to what the Chicago Bulls were back in the 1990s in the NBA circles. You have to get through Richmond. Yep. And that's an easier, that's easier said than done when it comes to finals time. So um, it's a hold overall for me. And look who beat the Hawks in 2016 with the Doggies. 
who ended up winning the flag. So if you can get through Richmond, you'll be able to get through anyone. I agree with you, mate. So I just want to back over just what you said. My own question was so good, I couldn't come up with an answer. That really came out of your mouth, didn't it? Yeah, it was one of those questions where it sort of had me going both ways. And in the end, I just had to sit on the fence because it was that good of a question. (laughs) This is a man that just has way too much love for oneself. It is extraordinary. We're moving on to St. Kilda, mate. Um, One of the more difficult clubs to come up with a question with because contrary to sort of popular belief, we don't want to sit here and just put our punching... um, Uh, sorry, our boxing gloves on and just beat the crap out of something for so long. So I'm going to go with something a bit more lighthearted, mate. I'm going to know your answer, but we're going to have fun talking about our man. Are you buying, holding, or selling the fact that Jack Steele will not be buying one beer on Mad Monday? Buying, buying, buying. If If this man purchases as little as one pot in the summer months, I will be ropeable. Because he is genuinely carrying that football club at the moment. His level of consistency this year has been astounding. But it's just so sad to see what's going on around him. I really feel for Jack Steele. Um, As you said, he's our man. He's probably up there with Cogs. But Jack Steele is probably my number one man crush in the AFL. I just love watching him play footy. I think he's amazing. But yeah, if he if he buys one drink on the footy trip, I'm gonna have to write a seriously frustrated letter to the St Kilda Footy Club, questioning <laughs> their questioning their their morals. Uh, where do you stand? I think we're on the same page. Yeah, we are absolutely on the same page. If this man, we he shouldn't rock up to Mad Monday with a wallet because no. I'm not gonna ask him for ID because he. And this is no disrespect to Jack, but he doesn't look like he's underage, so he's not gonna. Or just walk out of your house with your ID in your pocket, Jack. But if you walk out of your house with your bank card, I'll smack it off you. No way is this man putting any sort of purchases behind the bar. Mad Monday. I agree with you. All summer. Yeah. All summer. Anything. They're all charged to the St. Kilda Football Club. Take it off the soft cap. I don't give a damn. This man deserves everything. Oh, goodness me. St. Kilda. My God. But we said we're not going to punch the crap out of anyone. So we're going to move on, mate. Uh, You're up with your... (laughs) ultra favorite team, but you would have loved them a bit more by the way they played on Friday night. Your turn with Sydney, mate. Yeah, the Swannies. Now I've angled this question into something that you're very, very passionate about. Oh boy. So listeners, if you have socks on, take them off now (laughs) before they get knocked off by this reaction. So Daz. Yes, sir. We all know that there's restrictions coming in on Academy selections. Yes. Are you buying, holding, or selling the idea that this is going to affect Sydney's ability to continuously contend in the AFL with the limitations on their academy selections? If I had a buy buzz uh, buy button here, if I had a buy button here, I would be slamming it against the wall right now. Buy, buy, buy. Now, the numbers behind Sydney's academy is actually it doesn't sound as like as bad as people want um, the footy world to believe out of something like 1200 kids. They've only had, you know, I think it's, Oh, I should have the numbers in front of me, but they they've only had sort of 20 or so play, but the, the Sydney Academy has been the most fruitful in the AFL. So are they going to be restricted with these restrictions coming in? Of course. And for those who don't know, Academy players can be taken in the draft in the top uh, 30 selections. So if Sydney have a kid in the academy this season and Hawthorne at pick uh, two that we'll have, if we want one of their academy kids, we can just have him. So we look at uh, last year's draft, which is why Smithy's asked me this question, because Hawthorne bid on Braden Campbell and Smithy knows how big of a fan I was of him, given the fact that he's the best, one of the best field kicks in the draft. Um, And uh, Sydney took Logan McDonald off us, who I really wanted the Hawks to get. So Braden Campbell was next in line, and the fact that Sydney could uh, match that bid made Daz very upset, given that the restrictions came in before last year's draft. So we knew that we would bid on him. We knew that we would lose him, but we know that if he was in the draft next year, we would have got him, which really made me annoyed. Sydney got looked after with the COLA scheme, the cost of living 
They got looked after with the academy. They're not getting looked after anymore, mate. And they've got a ton of youth coming in. Oh, I'm not sure there's a lot behind it. I think Sydney fans, the sphincters would be tightening with the depth. So sucked in Sydney. You've got to be the, re- uh, the same as the rest of us. And I hope you cop it for years to come. And there it is, listeners. That's what we were looking for. Yeah. yeah. I Stuffed am- academies. Go on. I'm also going to buy, I think, when you have that sort of power in terms of your drafting, it allows you to build together your perfect team a lot easier than other sides because Sydney knew that no matter what happened, Braden Campbell was going to be in the red and white. So they could go out and draft a Logan McDonald and they say, okay, we've got our Lance Franklin replacement at full forward and we've got our halfback of the future. They're two key pieces for the price of one, considering that Braden Campbell was going to be there regardless. So um, I think it will impact their ability to continuously contend. I agree with you. I don't think their depth is amazing. So if, um, you know, when we see the likes of Parker, Kennedy, Buddy Franklin, when they hang the boots up and finish their illustrious careers without being able to top those positions up with academy prospects, I think it is going to affect them and it's going to make life harder for them considering they've had it so good. So I am also going to buy. Yeah, I can't wait till we assess Sydney's draft sort of this year and for the next two years down the road just to see the difference in quality. But um, I just want to finish on this point. I know I went on a rant before. This isn't like a like a get stuff Sydney. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't cheat. These were the things that were available to them. We are not, um, we're not saying they did anything dodgy, but now you're going to have to put your, your own hard work in when it comes to drafting and scouting. It's a little bit like the rich kids no longer got uh, mum and dad's money. So we've got to see how they cope. So I'm looking forward to seeing how their draft goes, but we move on the West coast, mate, my last team uh, before we obviously get into the dogs. Are you buying, holding, or selling Nick Natanui being a top three ruckman in the comp? I'm buying. Yeah, I'm buying. I think his impact in the middle of the ground is the second best in the league behind Max Gorn. And Daz is he's throwing a full-on tantrum right now. So the uh, the rebuttal to this is going to be interesting, but you can't deny that at a center bounce, Nick Nat Nui against anyone but Max Gorn is the best in the competition in terms of hitouts to advantage, putting the ball on a platter for his midfielders. Now, could he do more around the ground for someone of his size and athleticism? Yeah, of course he could. There's always something oh, he can so do So could better. he? Yes. How does that equate to being a top three ruckman? Well, just the just the fact that, that he is so good at the center bounce and so good at putting the ball on a platter. Okay, so my question to you then is mm-hmm. behind, I'm guessing Gorn is your number one. Yep. And I'm guessing Grundy is your number two. Mm-hmm. Who do you have at three above Nick Natanui? That is a good question now. Um... Okay, well, there we go. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. You can't ask a question, not get the full answer, and then interrupt. So just wait. I will extend an olive branch to you, my friend, that if I needed a hit out to advantage with sort of 10 seconds to go in a game to get a chance to win the game, Nick Nat is probably one. He's a freak athlete when it comes to the center bounces. However, I cannot justify a man that plays 70% of game time who averages about 60% disposal efficiency around the ground. I mean, yeah, he, like he had 20 on the weekend. He kicked a goal. Fantastic. He went at 40%. Like, no. So as my third best Ruckman in the league, as we sit here right now, and I know that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to disagree with this opinion, but I am a fan of Ruckman that do more around the ground and throughout the whole game. Tom Hickey this year has been better than Nick Nat this year. He just has when he's played. Now, he did. his knees aren't holding up that well. 
granted, Jared Witts before he went down was probably having a better year. If we're looking at careers, he probably is number three. But for 2021, he's not the third best ruckman in the competition. Sean Darcy has been better than Nick Nathan. I would, I am much more comfortable putting Sean Darcy as the third best ruckman in this competition right now than I am with Nick Nat. Oh boy. Well, make the, oh, well, we're not going to carry on too long, but what does Nick Nat do better than Darcy at the moment, barring tap work? Because he doesn't spend enough time on the ground. He's not a good user of the pill. He missed a really gettable set shot on the weekend. Sean Darcy launched an absolute bomb from 52 on the weekend. So again, I'll extend the olive branch of the fact that his tap work is fantastic. He's getting caught out with his tap work without Shuey, without Yo. Yo came back on the weekend, was very good. So what has Nick Nat done this year that he's putting him above, we'll say a Sean Darcy, who would be my number three? I... I agree with you in terms of Sean Darcy being fantastic this year. Mm-hmm. What's the um, question? <laughs> no, no, but I just wanted to extend that to you and and congratulate you on a good point. Nick Nat is still number three. His pure athleticism around the ground. And it's not his fault that he plays 70% game time. That's obviously a minutes restriction coming from up top. So you can't you can't put that against him. Yeah, he can. He's the one that's playing 70%. Yeah, but if someone's telling him that he can't play 70% yeah. and he's getting dragged off the ground, hmm. you can't put that on him. Yeah, but they also can't say that he's a top three with that minutes restriction. It's not him saying to Adam Simpson, I only want to play 70% of game time. I'm not suggesting that. But if he's if he walks off the ground with 70% of game time, like number three in the comp, mate, that's that's huge. All right, we'll agree to disagree there and we'll move on to the last side. Now, I wanted to end this on a bang with the Western Bulldogs and I think we're going to. Daz, are you buying, holding or selling the idea that the current Western Bulldogs list is better than 2016 when they went all the way and won a flag? Buy. Easy buy. Easy buy for me. Because, well, their midfield is undoubtedly better like, undoubtedly better. Adam Trelaw, like, you look at that 2016 squad, you add in Adam Trelaw to that mix. Like, that's pretty crazy. Um, now, Joel Hamling um, at Freo, I know, hasn't put together the kind of season that he would like. I do trust more than Alex Keith right now. I think Keith's had kind of an underrated year. Has been monstered a couple of times. Um, but, yeah, like, JJ... Like off half back, Bailey Dale uses the ball better than JJ. Um, JJ's grand final, he didn't use the ball well at all. And you know my feelings on him winning the 2016 Norm Smith. So we'll move on from there. But yeah, overall as a list, Tom Boyd had an insane um, final series. Uh, his performance in the prelim probably went a bit underrated given how good he went in the grand final. But Aaron Norton is for mine miles ahead of where Tom Boyd was. So yeah, I think it's a, a, a pretty easy buy and a pretty scary prospect for Dogs fans that five years later, the current squad that you've built is better than your last premiership team. What about you? Yeah, I was buying as well. Um, I looked through that Dogs premiership side and there were a lot of unsung heroes in that yeah. team and a few names that people might not remember, the likes of Shane Biggs and Fletcher Roberts. I know uh, Zane Courtney is still around, but he played a role. So a few names in there that, you know, are pretty unsung, but you look at the Western Bulldogs in 2021 and there's stars all over the field. So I agree the 2021 version of the Dogs is better, but I I don't know. I don't have them winning the flag at the moment. I can see a Melbourne grand final appearance. I just Mm. think... Everything's going right for them. Obviously, they hit a slight speed bump today, but I don't think a, a round 13 loss is really going to derail their season. And they're not the losing to good sides, which is in a weird way kind of okay because when they've had the challenge of a better side, the better the opponent, the better they're playing, which will only serve you well in finals, I think. Yeah, I agree. So I think the stars are aligning for the Demons. 
and Geelong, I think Geelong are looking a bit scary at the moment. The way they played against poor Adelaide, they just got Patrick Dangerfield back. I just think that this is nearly the all or nothing season for Geelong. They brought in the veterans to get them over the top. So Mm. if the brackets work, if the finals bracket works that way, I can see a Melbourne Geelong grand final. Um, But yeah, the Bulldogs current list is better than 2016. I agree with you, mate. All right, mate, we're going to finish off with a few quick questions here. Just want your answer and we're going to move on. Don't explain. I've got a few written down here. So we'll fly through these and then we'll say goodbye. Um, who wins the Brownlow? Clayton Oliver. Who wins the Rising Star? Can I say John Newcomb for half a season? <laughs> you can. Matt Rowell is still like seven bucks too, by the way. Surely Matt Rowell can't win it from here. Nah, in all seriousness, um, my pick for the mid-season was James Jordan and he's done absolutely nothing wrong since we recorded that episode. He dominated yeah, today, so... James Jordan is my pick. All-Australian captain? Marcus Bontempelli. I like it. Uh, team in the top eight most likely to fall out? West Coast. Yeah, I'll rate that pick too. I think West Coast over Sydney as well. All right, mate, just a couple of questions and then we will go. Um, who wins the flag? Uh, the, st- the stars are aligning for Melbourne this year. And I'll tell you what, I know you didn't want me to elaborate, but I've just got to put this out there. Okay, go for it, mate. If Melbourne play in the grand final and win mm-hmm. and Neil Danaher presents them oh, with the wow. Premiership Cup, yeah, that would be the single greatest AFL moment I've ever witnessed in my life. And I would give anything to see that happen in a few months' time. I think that would be... One of the greatest things we've ever seen in our time to see Neil Danaher pass over that Premiership Cup to uh, Max Gorn and the Melbourne Footy Club after the massive drought they've been through. I think that would be incredible. So I'm barracking for it to happen. Yeah, now that you've said that, absolutely. And it's um, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but there might be a little bit of like Peter Crimmins about that. If Neil doesn't hang on to the start of the next season, that is just going to be any immortal moment to sum up all immortal moments in AFL football, I reckon. So yeah, come on, Melbourne. Um, just, uh, I've got uh, one more for you, mate, and then we're out of here. Who is the premiership fancy? No one's talking about. I think it's Geelong, the team that I mentioned before. Uh, I think obviously all the hype at the moment is around Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs. who are sitting clear at the top of the ladder. I think people are still talking about Richmond, which is fair enough. As I mentioned before, you're going to have to get through Richmond. And people are talking about Brisbane and Port Adelaide, but they're only just starting to talk about Geelong because they've sort of slid under the radar. You know, they've won scrappy games. They haven't looked amazing, but they built this list to be good come September. And for that reason, I think they deserve a lot more respect in terms of that race for the premiership. And they're the team that not enough people are mentioning. So it's Geelong for me with a heavy heart because yeah. <laughs> I'd hate to see it happen. Yeah. I like it. I still don't think enough people talking about Brisbane. I've got my um, questions about Brisbane's tolls um, and such, but losing, I think losing, uh, sorry, being a premiership contender, losing a game and then going into your buy is not great. I don't think Melbourne will cop the same treatment because everyone, I think, is convinced that they're one of the best uh, teams in the comp. But Brisbane lost a game they should have won against Melbourne and they headed into their buy. So I think a few people have just sort of forgotten about them um, over the course of the last two weeks. So I think that's it, mate. Uh, I am. I want Melbourne to win the flag, like he said, but uh, I'm still I'm backing the Bulldogs in until I see someone uh, properly knock them off. I think the, uh, your man, the Bont, is going to have an insane finals series. All right, mate, we are out of here. We have covered all the teams. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it all the way through uh, Smithy, as always, it's been a pleasure, mate. We are the great footy debate. Give us a follow on Twitter. We are at great footy debate. Chuck on there. Let us know what you think of our predictions, what you think of our questions. Um, we will have our draft teams up shortly. So you guys will be able to vote on who has the better side. Uh, and until next time, hope your team goes well. I know a lot of teams are on the buy. 
next week. So if you support a team that's got the bye, enjoy the week off. And if you're playing like uh, Smithy and I's Hawks, we've got the Bombers. Uh, hope your team goes well, unless you're Essendon. Smithy, it's been a pleasure, mate. Yep, no worries. It's been a great show. Uh, stay safe, everyone. That's it. And if you live in Victoria, I hope we're out of this soon. See you guys. No, I mean, he is, and I don't say this lightly, he's a great Australian. He has, um, he, everyone knows his football journey, but the resilience and the commitment to turn this now into a national event and to, to clearly raise the money, but to become the focus of a community, our football community, to sell half a million beanies year seven and to be raising their money, but to do it in a way that actually just galvanises and brings people together and actually brings people joy in the event itself. They'll get there with the, with this research and the money that people are donating and our football community, which I'm so proud of, is is donating, is raising today, will make a difference. And Neil's at the centre of that and he embodies everything that's great about our game, about Australians, to be honest with you, that still the humour, the courage, the commitment and the commitment to his community and to a cause and I'm thrilled to be part of it.